This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. always i'm joined by arnold furious how you doing man hello i have a computer it works it's great well hey victory it has been a little while i think last episode was our, our live episodes you were actually on that one but before that it, it had... in in germany yeah but before that i had issues so i hadn't actually recorded anything with you since the uh awards the the maloney's <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, he he did a good job of getting his way on those ones. He did a good job. So we are going to be talking about on this episode, we basically, pre-show, we've been doing a little browse, and it turns out BritRest isn't really doing anything in April. They're, they're taking a month off, which is nice for them. Um, so this episode, we're going to be talking about Scrappermania that happened uh, two weeks ago now in OTT, um, as well as taking a look at what the European promotions are offering over at WrestleMania weekend. Because um, we've got four of them, and um, maybe we shouldn't have four of them, because it's not necessarily putting our, our best foot forward. Three and a bit, I'd say. <laughs> <laughs> that, that might be generous. That might be generous. Um, well, Fight, Fight Club's kind of like half a show, and then there's the other one that we're probably not even going to talk about, <laughs> which is like barely a, a zero. So we'll say two and two and a half. And then even Rev Pro is barely... <laughs> like That's basically a New Japan show, so... Uh... We've maybe one got and three one and three quarters, yeah. <laughs> um, but on the positive side of things, the, the real strength of the European scene at the moment is OTT. They are a tremendous promotion that's going from strength to strength, and um, they recently had Scrappermania at the one of their big national stadium shows, the fifth Scrappermania? Yeah, the fifth one. And let's get straight to the main event because that's, you know, that's the <laughs> thing everyone's talking about. That's clearly the best match on the show. What a match. What a match. Jordan Devlin defeating Volta to win back the OTT world title. Incredible stuff. Well, um, you messaged me in the week saying that you felt you'd had like a, a, a hot take that this was better than their so-called match of the year from last year. It wasn't. Um, only to read the review that I'd posted up of that to discover that I felt exactly the same way and that we both thought this was a better match. I, I thought it was fairly comfortably a better match too. And even with... So so this match had certain things in, especially surrounding the, the finish with the... So, so towards the end of the match, um, Devlin had Volta on the ropes, but Volta rolls out of the ring, kind of tries to just go for the count out, retain his title... But then out comes, um, oh, was it a Joker Bray? Yeah. Well, it was first of all, it was Niall Fox uh, refused to count him out and told him to get get the fuck back in there now. Yeah. <laughs> Which I Wait, thought was that a, was nice. That, that was, was that a was nice good. touch. I enjoyed that. 
And then it got a bit ridiculous because you had, uh, what was it, Joey Cabray. Uh, With Volta backing Paul... off from him as well. <laughs> yeah. Well, like he's he only backs down from people that run promotions so he can get those repeat <laughs> bookings. Like him, so... him and Zaki, <laughs> the, uh, the kryptonite, the Volta's Superman. And then, uh, then he kind of went to walk up the rafters. I'm not entirely sure where he was intending to go. He kind of went through the crowd, I guess, and you had uh, uh, was it Paul Tracy back to yeah. down as well? And it's like, and then Paul more Tracy. the hype. And it's like just random guys just happened to show up in the middle of the crowd, and it was kind of eye rolly, and that kind of seeing Volta, who's been beat up, built up as this unbeatable monster back down from first a promoter, then, like, a guy who barely gets booked in OTT anymore, kind of presented as a, an older, almost manager-type deal now, um, back off from him as well, and then also from kind of a, a mid-card at best tag team. It's like, some, something's not quite working there for me. I, um, I did like the, the message that I was sending, is that all of the uh, Irish scene was behind Jordan Devlin. He was their, like, guy. That's I think kind of... I... That's what it was supposed to be. Yeah, and a way better way of doing that would have just had the the whole Irish roster come out in the spot Cabray was in and just, like, block him off. Because then it's like, well, yeah, there's, like, 15, 20 people there stopping him from going. It makes sense he backs down there rather than having backed down from a random promoter that I'm sure a lot of people in, in the building had no idea who he was. Just just a random bald guy come out. and Well, he was, he was in the video uh, for the Angel Cruiser's entrance. That's true. That's true. So you so would, then, if you you were watching the show, you would actually know who he was. Uh, but you'd also wonder why he wasn't dead because he got shot in the head. That, that's that's very true. That's, maybe that's why Volta bad died. I was like, Jesus it's, Christ, it's you're supposed <laughs> to be dead. How are you here, Zombie um, Cabray? And yet, despite all that, and despite that they built a fair amount of this match around punches, which I never really like because it's kind of like eh, it makes the logic of like forearms, the whole point of the whole reason people do forearms is that punches are illegal. Mm-hmm. Um, and like yeah, I, uppercut, I hate uppercuts, punches, that sort of thing. But I like the fact that he used punches because it worked. Because he had to kind of cheat to beat yeah. Volta, because Volta's that much of a, a hard opponent to overcome that you, you just need to kind of. Maybe not necessarily break the rules, although he did, but kind of bend them a little bit, and that's the only way you can get past him. Uh, and with the kind of whole Irish versus Volta feud, you can kind of you can get past it in your head. Like, yeah, maybe the ref just isn't DQing him because Volta's a- Volta's actually the good guy in this feud um, to everyone but the Irish. <laughs> it's. Uh... Xenophobic Irish fighting off uh, a deserving champion and cheating to beat him. <laughs> yeah, I kind of like the idea that the uh, the Irish crowd was so like driven to support everything that he did that they kind of ignored that some of it wasn't strictly legal. <laughs> yeah. so, um, I like the the fact that he kind of got driven into a corner like all the way through the the feud as well, um, having to do things that weren't necessarily his first choice. And mm-hmm. having to go higher and higher into uh, riskier territory. Uh, like when uh, he did, at one point in this match, he attempted to Spanish fly. <laughs> and I'm like, that's just not going to happen. No. 
but he, uh, he kind of done everything else and it didn't work. So he's like, okay, let's let's try this. No. <laughs> <laughs> I can just imagine like Jordan in the back calling, calling, doing a Spanish flight of Volta and Volta just giving him a look like, mm, are you sure? Are you sure? Um, but yeah, we've talked about like a few things that we kind of maybe didn't, not, not that we hated in the match, but thought could have been done better. But it overcame those things completely and had such a brilliant through line through this entire match. I thought the whole story of the match with... Um, they'd done the whole build in, in all the video packages around, well, Devlin's going to have to rely on his punches. And then, like, um, two minutes into the match... Volta's destroyed his hand. It's like, well, what the hell's left? He runs through a lot of his big moves. Nothing quite works. I just thought in this match compared to their first one, everything felt like it meant so much more. Previously, it was like it was very good wrestling, but I didn't think there was necessarily that that clear through line in the match. I think it meant so much more as well the second time round because Volta won the first match and he won it very decisively. So everything that was that was hugely effective uh, before is also effective again here, and that made the crowd just kind of rally behind uh, Devlin all the more. So like he was surviving the things that had beaten him. So he he was in the Gajira clutch, but he got out of it. He took the the Fire Thunder driver that that beat him uh, last year, but he kicked out this time. It's like it wasn't that he knew to avoid those things. It's that he had that much more uh, grit and determination to win this time that he just wouldn't lose. And that was the crowd rallied behind him to get that to that point. I think mean, you, you take the crowd out of the equation and it probably wouldn't feel as important, but it's the fact that it all came together in this like beautiful storm of, of patriotism that uh, the whole match worked. Yeah, I, I really felt the epicness in this one, whereas I didn't completely, it didn't completely hook me as an epic, the first one. And I felt that was the big difference. I was, I was genuinely considering five up until the, the finish with kind of the, the walk back. I'm, I'm still ended up four and a half stars. It's uh, incredible stuff and might be my favorite OTT match ever. And it's going to be right up there for European match of the year, I think. Yeah, I went uh, four and three quarters, and I again, I would say that's probably, if not the best, it's very, very close to being the best. It, it probably is, to be honest with you. It feels, it feels important. They've had some really, really fun matches before, but I don't think anything on this kind of scale, this kind of scope. Hmm. Definitely, definitely. It it felt like a real culmination, which is exactly what you want from the main event of your your big stadium show. It oh, felt yeah. conclusive and it felt epic. I find it very satisfying when you have a feud and it, it has wrinkles along the way, but when it pays off, it pays off. And that's what happened here. But you also, there was the sub feud within it where Devlin and Star had had issues. They had a match, so Devlin had beaten him already. But at the end, you've got Star standing on the stage uh, watching... Um, the guy who was his supposed to be his friend, and they'd had all these issues this year because of Volta. He he beat Volta, and Star still hasn't beaten Volta because he didn't beat him at uh, uh, Carrot. At, yeah, in WXW, like um, he was intending to do. 
So it's kind of doubled down for him now. And he's there staring on and thinking, what, what do I have to do here? And I think what he has to do is beat Devlin, win the title and prove that he can win a title. And that's like his next step character wise. Yeah, and I love I love booking like like this. So often, WWE is probably most guilty of this trope, but it's it affects a lot of Western wrestling in that they they're so focused on building the next match they never pay off the current one. So you'll yeah. have an interference finish in a main event to move the guy on to the next feud, but it means you never got the conclusive finish to the feud you're currently doing. And they keep doing that, so you never actually get a payoff to any feud. It's always just moving ahead to the next thing, the next thing, the next thing. This one, it was so masterfully done in that they they conclusively paid off the Volta Devlin storyline, while also just by having Star come out and just watch at the end, immediately you're hooked into the next match, you're hooked into the next big feud that presumably is going to be like the next stadium show um title match and it's it's creating that continuity without without ruining the payoffs of what you're currently doing that is is so excellent i'm really excited to see where they go with it as well because you've you've had star there and he has so much storyline already with devlin that they were able to do a, a fantastic video uh for their last match but now it's kind of intensified all the more because next time it'll be for the title Devlin can simply turn around and say, well, I've already beaten you. I don't have anything to prove here. And it'll be interesting to see how, where they go with it. I, I really hope Star wins. I feel like at the moment, he's on the cusp of being an extremely special wrestler. And the first company that, that pulls the trigger on him is going to be the one that gets uh, the biggest advantage of that. And OTT seems to be pretty smart with stuff like that. I can totally see it happening. Yeah, they've, they've done such an excellent job with Devlin, but he's had his big title run, and then he's he's come up against his big roadblock in Volta, lost to him, managed to come back, win again. And that che- that second chase was excellent, but it kind of feels like, what's next for him? I think it almost has to be Star, and I think it has to be Star winning, because star is dangerously close in ott and they've done a masterful job of giving him so few wins while still making him feel like a main eventer but you don't want to push that too far over the edge and have him just in the minds of the ott fans be a guy who whenever he comes to the big match he always loses because i think he as you say he's a guy they can really build around he's you know i'm i'm happy to say that he's comfortably one of the, the best wrestlers in the world would be comfortably into inside my top 10 right now um if not higher um i think he's just absolutely on fire at the moment and creatively in the ring everything um and the storyline they've got with devlin you don't want that just to end with um star challenges him for the title losers and that's kind of it because then where do you go with star whereas i think, I think with, with star the one thing you can always rely on is that he can talk his way into an into another feud at some point another situation because he is so good on the mic that there's always a storyline that he is capable of telling yeah so if you didn't want to go with him and i think that would be a mistake but if they didn't want to do that then there's always something else that he can talk himself into yeah i think i think you'd be okay without giving him the title but the benefits you get from giving him the title even for like 
a couple of months or something, a, a, a free a free defense run or something. He then will have so much credibility in that company forever that he'll he'll be a made man completely. Not that he's or not already there, but if you do have the danger of if you do keep him losing every time he gets in a big match, people stop buying into him, no matter how good a talker he is. Whereas if he's got that, well, I've won the title here, he's set for life there. I think it doesn't help as well that like his big storyline in his other major promotion, WXW, yeah, is that he can't win. <laughs> he can't beat Volta. Um, and also, you look at the storyline he's got in RevPro, where he's uh, convinced that the company's trying to screw him out of the like the main events, uh, also has him losing <laughs> when it comes to the the truly big matches, even though he is their like, secondary champion, and he's done an excellent job with the, uh, with that belt. But yeah, th- there is the worry that he might end up running through these uh, conspiracy theory routines <laughs> because he's always losing, which um, I feel like OTT is definitely the place to stop the rot because he's getting heat there for different reasons. And I think the heat that he's getting there is, is so good that if he beats uh, Devlin, it'll get a far better reaction than, than when uh, Volta beat Devlin. So I think that was kind of like a shock to the crowd, the way that he uh, was defeated there. Whereas I think if Star beats him, it's going to be in some way underhanded and it's likely to get a far more visceral negative reaction and it'll be a different title reign altogether, I think. Although Volta did a very good job, especially during this match where he did the stuff with the Irish flag. Um, he did a very good job of being the big bad heel. But I think Star can do a different job. And I'm very excited to see what happens with that. Yeah, 100%. 100%. OTT's main event scene at the moment is the most invested I am in anything in European wrestling. I feel like Star is one of the the reasons why yeah. it's easy to get invested in uh, three different companies. And if Progress did something with him, probably that one as well. <laughs> it feels like a bit of a no-brainer that like, they're struggling because they have all these political issues with uh, World of Sport and New Japan and the WWE contracts. And here's a guy who isn't um contracted to anyone he can do whatever he wants that's his solution and it um, helps that he's great <laughs> what a solution it is yeah um yeah have you watched this whole card yeah i watched it you have show. you reviewed it yeah um i haven't I, I just checked in for the main event because you know that's me uh so what else on this card was was really a highlight i felt that it, the whole thing was was very entertaining I mean, it was well over three hours and at no point was I thinking, Jesus, this is going a bit long now. I'm kind of kind of losing interest. Um, they kind of mixed up the what they were presenting. So like the the second match to the end was Scotty Davis and Jushin Liger, which for the majority of wrestlers being put in that spot before that, that super hyped, super anticipated Volta Devlin match, it's like it's an impossible situation, but you put Liger in it, and it's like, well, it's Liger. You can't really go wrong. So that worked well. 
Um, the women's title match, I think, was a little bit of a blip because at that point, the crowd were really starting to think about the main event because they'd done a couple of really big, um, uh, crazy blow-off results before that. So you had uh, British Strong Style beating Kings of the North, which I, for the life of me, I have no idea what they're doing there. But um, that is just OTT in, in a nutshell. The three guys who've been booked as leaving literally everywhere else, including the promotions they own, and yet here they are in, in OTT winning the tag titles and uh, banishing the Kings of the North to the North. So it's, uh, it's kind of mad, really, that situation. Yeah, they did such a good bait and switch there because when they when they attached the loser leaves town scenario to the British strong style, and when as you say they've been leaving everywhere else, it's like oh, it's a foregone conclusion they're losing now. They're definitely yeah. not winning the titles. Why would they win the titles? They're probably not allowed to wrestle here anymore. This is their farewell. Oh no, they win. Of course they win. <laughs> um, but the, the whole card kind of had that kind of magical feel about it that. Anything that you you came in thinking you knew was going to happen is not necessarily going to. Um, I kind of wish they'd done that um, like earlier in the card because I feel that that result was was something that kind of swayed people and went like, "Well, now anything can happen." Um, I do. I also really enjoyed uh, more than hype uh, beating the Rapture. Um, that was very much your, your rice pudding result of having uh, like these these detestable British men <laughs> who've gone over to the uh, to Ireland and having Charlie Sterling um, sing the national anthem before the match. Oh my god, the heat! <laughs> and. Uh, but yeah, they had more than hype win that, and they've been going on a uh, a bit of a losing run recently, and and that felt like a nice payoff for them to be more accepted as belonging, in that they could beat these uh the, these horrible Brits. Mm-hmm. Uh yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, uh, I want to give a shout out to uh, the Martina match with Mako Satamura. Um, I kind of felt like Martina needed to have a good match here, and she did. Uh, I kind of get the thing some people have written her off as not being capable of having a good match, and I had at one point, but she went to stardom uh, last year, and the first time she went over there, she looked absolutely lost, like completely uh, deer in headlights, didn't know what she was doing, was standing in the back in promos looking confused, and it was just like, oh no, this is this is going badly. And like the drinking gimmick wasn't getting over that much. Uh, but then she went back second time, and she just tried so hard. And I have a lot of time for her because she went and uh, that second time determined to make a difference to actually do something. And I feel like her performances in Europe since then have been significantly better. She had that match with um, Melanie Gray at uh, World Tag Team League last year, which I thought to that point was probably her best singles match. Um, 
I would say that this would now be her best singles match because it is Mako Satomura. Um, it wasn't like mind-blowingly good. I, she still has some issues, um, uh, cardio and uh, fitness issues that I think will take a long time to get any better. And I'm not sure that's what she wants to do. But her actual uh, fluidity of her work is far superior to what it was even a year ago. And i got to give her a shout out for, for looking to improve and, and making those changes. That's good to hear. That's good to hear. Because if you can't have a good match with Satomura, then... You, you know. might as well just retire, to be yeah. honest with you. It's just one of those things that if you... There are certain wrestlers who, if you can't have a good match with them, then just fucking go away. <laughs> um a case in point is, uh, do you remember when Enzo Amore uh, had a match with Cesaro and Cesaro was looking at him like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> what but, can I do with you? Yeah, really. And that's the, the thing. If you can't have a, a good match with somebody of that caliber, then you're in the wrong business. So, But she turned up here, Martina, and she has been turning up for a while now and she delivered and I'm very pleased for her. And I don't think, with her gimmick, she's never going to be like a super worker, and she doesn't need to be. She just needs to be at a certain level where, when she's in there, in a big spot, she can have a good match. Yeah. And then she can still lean on her gimmick, and that's, you know, that's probably the right thing for her to do. Um, But she's now at a level where she can get by. Yeah, the gimmick is what makes her stand out. Like, because you don't have a lot of people doing, like, gimmicky stuff. Um, in women's wrestling as a whole, that a lot of the gimmick is restricted to character. So somebody like Ginny has a very strong character, but when she's wrestling, there's there's nothing about her her wrestling that makes me scream gimmick at her. It's she's a wrestler. She just happens to be a, a snob. Whereas um, Martina, all of her gimmick is embedded into all of her uh, style, all of her moves. Which I really appreciate that because I see far too many gimmick wrestlers where they don't bring the gimmick to the match. The gimmick leaves them when they step through the ropes, and I think that's wrong. Yeah, if you're going to lean heavily into the gimmick at some points, then lean into it at all Go all in. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so overall, sounds like it was a good show that really, really peaked perfectly with the, the main event. Yeah, I think the undercard was, was consistently enjoyable. Um, there was nothing on the undercard that I was particularly irritated by or thought I'd stay its welcome. Uh, but yeah, it absolutely peaked with the main event. I thought the main event was blow away good and you need to see it. I would entirely echo those sentiments. Okay, uh, moving on to WrestleMania stuff, because as we said, we've got four slash one a bit shows over there uh, <laughs> representing us. We'll start off with the one that is feels very authentic to the European show that it's representing. That's WXW. So I'll just, I'll just run through the card straight away. Um, so for America, it's Wunderbar, which is taking place at the uh, Laboom, which is the venue WWN's running. So it'll be interesting to see... Um, See how well the amazing WXW production people managed to make the shithole that WN usually runs. To be to be fair, Laboom is like the best That's WWN venue by some distance. The rest of them are just boxes, whereas uh, Laboom is actually like a club. 
So yeah, it's got it some character good. to it. Yeah, I think they can do a number on that. To be to be sure, the trouble is that they will be sandwiched in between. Uh, I guess it's like evolve is before, so it evolves the show before, and then there's one after it, uh, um... which would be DDT would be after it. So you don't, they won't have a lot of time to prepare stuff. It'll basically just look like evolve. <laughs> Unfortunately, <laughs> this is the the downside to being part of Mania Weekend. You can't really do something that looks spectacular and different unless you have WWE's money, which only really there's only them like New Japan. I guess Impact are kind of running on their own dollar, so. Those yeah, will but look different. they don't have money. Yeah, so but anyone else that's there is very much going to be packaged the same. So all the WWE shows are going to look the same. All the WrestleCon shows will look the same. There's an obvious joke about um, WXW and WN indeed having WWE money, but um, I I won't make it. I won't make it. So the card for this one, and as I kind of said before they've done a really good job of having a show that feels authentic to WXW, which is something that isn't always managed when these companies go over to a different continent and host a show. Sometimes it feels like, like when progress running the U S a lot of the time, it feels like an evolved show with a British accent. Whereas this feels like a WXW show. So you've got the work horseman, uh, Anthony Henry and JD Drake taking on Aussie open absolute Andy taking on uh, Chris Brooks. You taking on Lefisto, LAX, so Santana and Ortiz taking on The Crown, Lucky Kid taking on David Starr, uh, Bobby Guns defending the World Wrestling Championship against Shigehiro Iri, and the Shotgun Championship defense, Marius Alani versus Emil Satochi, and then finally Darby Allen versus Avalanche. I'm really excited for that one. I think um, Avalanche. Uh, maybe not isn't that familiar to like the American uh, viewers, but mm-hmm. should be, and I think this is going to be a great match for him. I Alan, see their Alan's stars like, meshing perfectly. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, totally. I think that could easily be a match of the night. Yeah, Allen will take any bump and several bumps that he shouldn't, and Avalanche is probably just going to crush him completely, and it's going to be glorious. There's. <laughs> There's an obvious story there, and they're gonna nail it. Yeah, no doubt. I, the um, the the one weird match for me here. I, hang on, I'm gonna talk about Bobby Guns and and Irie first, because uh, I also think that's gonna be really good because they had three matches at the tail end of last year, mm-hmm. and it was very much a case of the first two Guns just couldn't come to terms with Irie at all. Uh, got beaten by him twice. And then came back and won the third match, and that was part of his confidence build, uh, heading back towards title contention. And then he obviously eventually won the title at 16 Carat Weekend. Um, so to have Iria as a challenger makes like perfect sense because he's beaten him twice already. Admittedly, lost the the third match, but he's still two one up on that series, and he's a guy that Guns has had real trouble beating mm-hmm. recently. So it's a good logical match to put together. And they have had good good chemistry together. Like I've I've pretty openly never been a big Bobby Guns fan, but the matches of his that I've enjoyed the most have been against Erie. I think they they mesh together surprisingly well. Yeah, well Erie is just he's a very good wrestler. He is. I we've we've been lucky to get him over in, in Europe for this this run that he's been on for the past 
I say four months. Uh, I think no. December. So yeah. Yeah, four months. Um, I hope he comes back. Uh, I think he's scheduled in to do stuff over the summer, but I don't think it's like such a solid block of um of like living in in Essen and, and coming to the UK all the time. But uh, yeah, no, I hope he does come back frequently. He obviously thinks Europe is the a place where he can make his name better than the States, where he went to to wrestle for. Uh, I guess he was in Ohio, wasn't he? Wrestling for like Callahan's promotion, didn't get any uh, interest from anyone based on that. Has had far more joy in Europe. Has gotten his name out there better. Definitely. Um, but he's he's always been a fantastic wrestler in DDT, and now like a larger number of people have got to to know who he is, uh, come to terms with. Uh, that he's kind of a, a gentle giant, but also he has these brutal matches. So it's it's kind of a juxtaposition of, you know, the, the the guy that watches Disney movies and is all cute and stuff, and then he's like battering people with with just pounces and lariats and stuff. But, ah, I love it. Shoot pile drivers. Yeah, that is great. Yeah, so so that that should be pretty good. Um. Lucky Kid versus David Starr, I think, is a very interesting match because you've got the whole angle of, well, David Starr, he was talking up this carrot as being his year. Yeah. He was going to beat Volta. He was going to go on to win 16 carrot. Well, he lost to Volta. Lucky Kid beat Volta. Lucky Kid won 16 carrot. That's that's an interesting dynamic going into that one. Yeah, my only concern uh, for that match is that Starr is on a lot of shows this week. The um I don't I didn't count up how many he's on, but a lot of the cards have I think his name nine. on. It's, it's a lot of matches, man. Like even for somebody who's in great shape, uh you kind of worry about how much he's gonna be able to give in an undercard match on a WXW show. I'm sure he will do everything that he can. But you look at the schedule that he's got, and there's a few guys that are like this, and I think they're going to save it for the for where they they feel they need to deliver. And I have no issue with that because, like, when there's thirty odd shows on at the weekend, and you're on like a third of them, it's you know what can you do? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But he does have a strong character to fall back on, and so does Lucky Kids, so they can do something. That's not necessarily uh, an intense workout for both guys, but it makes sense and is fun to watch. So some of the talk about this card when it first got announced, you had a lot of people initially saying, well, this card kind of sucks. And then you had a lot of people perhaps going too far the other way saying, no, this is an amazing card. It's super authentic to WXW. It's an entirely representative of what they bring and it's going to be incredible. And I think the truth probably lies somewhere in the middle mm-hmm. because I think to a lot of people who don't follow WXW like week to week or even like big show to big show, the big draw of WXW as a brand is Volta and now in more recent years, Ilya is kind of the, the second guy who's really branched out internationally and been a big deal. Um, you could maybe even throw Thatcher in there, although in the US a bit less since his old run soured a lot of people on him. And obviously they're not here for this one. That's mm-hmm. 
And that is obviously a big hit both to the star power on this card, but also just in terms of, if you think of all the big WXW matches of the past few years that have got hype internationally, the vast majority of them have at least one of Ilya or Volta in them. There's obviously a couple that don't, but that's a big chunk of them. So having those two guys missing from the card, it does hurt. Of course it does. But on the other side, the people saying that it's it's a crap card, I think they're people just not familiar with WXW, because there is a lot of undercard talent that's going to be put in, in bigger spots here. And I think every match on this card looks like it's going to be at least good. And yeah. there's a fair few that have a chance of being real sleeper matches for the weekend. And for me, Henry and Drake going up against Aussie Open is a perfect example of that. Now, the Work Horsemen aren't people who've... They're one of the few people in the card. I think it's just them and Darby Allen that haven't been in WXW before. But they do have like the vibe of the type of people they'd bring in. So it doesn't necessarily feel like super inauthentic or anything. And I think stylistically, they're going to work really well with Aussie Open just because... They both work fairly similar styles in their like all action, hard hitting, indie tag team, like work rate inverted commas matches. And I think those two guys are gonna go all out and just have a hell of a match. Yeah, I'd like you say, I think it's a good card. Um uh, but yeah, the the big losses of, of Volta and to a lesser extent Ilya Dragonoff, those are people who would definitely shift tickets for this show so i don't know how well they'll do uh in terms of the gate but the show itself um is in like the fight package it's in the wwn uh more than mania thing so most people who are, are going to go in for those, that block of shows will probably watch it will probably enjoy it um i don't see an awful lot of weak spots on it the the one weird match for me is alani and satochi because they're both heels yeah do you think they're turning Alani face? Because he wrestled Yearn at that shotgun tapings thing. He's wrestling sucks. Satoshi here. <laughs> and now he's he's also teaming with Lucky Kid on the WEN show, which, you know, might not be in canon at all, but it's no. they're they're just these small things that are adding up. It's like he does seem to be facing a lot of heels now. I don't get why they brought Satoshi back as as a heel, because I felt that he was doing perfectly well as a face. I yeah, was far more invested in him as a face than as a heel. Uh, but they obviously, he went away for a while, came back at, at Carrot as a heel. Which makes it even stranger that they're doing this match. Uh, I really don't know. Uh, Satoshi, I know he's on a couple of other cards. Uh, so maybe there was interest in him and they originally wanted to do like Alani and Pace maybe. But other people wanted Satoshi, so they've switched the card around. I don't know. Maybe, maybe. He's on US First of the World, isn't he? Yeah, I can't remember who he's wrestling, to be honest. Some... There's so many cards. <laughs> there's, there's too much. Re- <laughs> no, there's there's a perfect amount of wrestling. But um, well, actually, when we get to the IPW show in a bit, we might say, yeah, there's too much wrestling. That, that <laughs> show didn't need to happen. The thing with that IPW show is it's not actually getting streamed anywhere. It's just, it's there. So, who cares? True, true. Um, Overall, I think this is a card that, for the people who are there live in attendance, and unfortunately, it doesn't look to be selling that well compared to a lot of the other WN stuff, which 
is kind of disappointing, but um, I guess that's what happens when you're missing your two biggest stars. Like, Absolute Andy may be built up really well in Germany, but internationally, he's no contender between him and Walter, obviously. Um, so that's kind of the, the dynamic you've got there. Obviously, Bobby Guns is nowhere near the international draw that Walter or Ilya is. I feel like they have tried to feature the guys that uh, have gotten over it with the UK crowd. So you've got Guns, you've got Avalanche, um, I guess like Aussie Open, who uh, with us a lot, Chris Brooks. Andy. Andy. Yeah, so it's the guys that are over in the UK, uh, even more so than the guys who are over in Germany that are, uh, are being featured. And I kind of get the feeling they're seeing that as an international crowd buys into these guys more than their other options. Although their options obviously slim down a bit when you take out the top uh, with Volta. So I'm kind of sad Volta isn't on the card. I'm sure he want to be on there. Yeah, it, it kind of feels like... The, the feel I'm getting off it is that WXW in recent years has really expanded over to UK in terms of reach, but hasn't got to the US. Their, their yeah. big like international expansion has been getting to the UK, getting people watching them from the UK. Whereas and like traveling. a promotion like, like Progress, they've got over in the States now. WXW hasn't like reached that far across, and it's kind of showing I, I feel the, like it, the sales. What Progress had uh, is very much catered to an English language audience. And right, uh, right. I'm sure WXW will say that they're trying to do that. Because they are, but um, at the same time, a lot of it will will be lost, I think, on an English speaking uh, public, uh, especially with subtitles and the fact that the promotions on the other side of the world, this is like their first thing that they're doing in the states, and progress were like, oh, we'll come back and we'll do tours and stuff, and people were like, yeah. And the crowd uh, chanting and the atmosphere that you got at a progress show was very uh, appealing to the American audience, whereas uh, WXW, I feel, is maybe not, doesn't have that appeal. Or at very least, doesn't have that exposure yet. Maybe. The, a, a lot of these guys, if they worked for a prolonged period over in the US, I do think they'd get over. Oh, yeah, for sure. But it's just they're not over yet. And you don't you don't sell tickets on whether you could get over. It's whether yeah, you well, are. Well, over. the worry of of doing uh, a show in a WWN venue is that the crowd quite often is terrible. They're mm. not engaged with anything. I'd the concern is that they'll be sat on their hands for the the bulk of this show, and it just won't be great from a crowd perspective. But I think the the in ring is going to be solid, and I'll enjoy it. Yeah, you look at the in-ring on this card, and I think it's going to be a show where, for the people watching live, who are there live, it's going to be a very consistent, strong show. I wouldn't be shocked if, like, it's, like, eight three-and-a-half-star matches. Mm. But it yeah, might... You can it see might... it being, like, when uh, the, the Americans who have been to this show and been to a bunch of shows over Mania Weekend, when they come to sit down and think about the shows that they've been to, it'll probably score, like say third highest on everyone's list or fourth mm -hmm. high it'd be one of those shows that's going to do well but maybe not blow people away hopefully do enough that they kind of remember it and want to check the promotion out more regularly 
I think it might also be one of those because because there's so much wrestling going on over WrestleMania week and not everyone's catching everything live, it might not be one of those shows where people are like, oh, you have to go back and check out this match, because there's not mm. one standout thing. It might just be a, if you're watching it live, it's a very good time, but there's no, like, gem that really stands out above the rest. Yeah, I'm going to try and watch that one live, if I can. Um, it's on my Fight TV package. It's going to be 9pm on Thursday, UK time. Ah, it's doable. It's very yeah. doable. Cause it, it, it's going to be like second show of the weekend or something mm-hmm. uh, that's, that's airing live. I think it's the second show on the fight package. So it's it's pretty early into the weekend. Nobody's going to be burned out for that. So moving over to Rev Pro as I search for the card and lose it because I search Rev and it just takes me to preview. Uh, Revolution live in yeah live in NYC. There we go. Uh, so this is taking o- taking place over on the at the WrestleCon area. This is on the Saturday, I think. Um, I'm just no the Friday. Yeah, so this show is taking place on the Friday over at the WrestleCon set of shows, and they've had to do a lot of shuffling on this card, not least because and Pack was booked in what I assume was the main event, or at bare minimum the semi-main event, team with Osprey against CCK. Pack obviously couldn't show up. And then they waited a long time to announce anything else. Then the Dragon Gate Visa situation came out, and then they announced some cards with a lot more New Japan people than were perhaps expected, like were Alex... uh, Alex... Colin? Colin? Cochlin, I think. Cochlin, there we go. And Carl Fredericks on. Like, I I have a sneaking suspicion that some Dragon Gate people were meant to be booked for this card, but obviously that, that fell through, and that's what caused a lot of the delay, but I don't have that any, on any authority. Um, but overall, what we've ended up with is, like, a Road to G1 Supercard that actually looks really good, but is primarily a New Japan show. But I think that's going to help their ticket sales because obviously the New Japan show uh, has done very well from a ticket sales perspective. They're mm-hmm. running a very, very big venue. Uh, so I think if you're going to Mania Weekend and you saw Rev Pro listed, you're thinking, well, you know, Tanahashi's going to be on that show. Well, I kind of want to see him, even if I can't get a, a ticket to go into the big New Japan show. Maybe I'll, I'll go over to Rev Pro there and, uh, and check him out there. Or for the people who are going to the the big New Japan show, on that card, Sabre Jr. versus Tanahashi is happening. They want to see the preview. They want to see yeah. Tanahashi and Osprey team up to face well, it Suzuki works, and Sabre. It works both ways. It, like if you've got a crowded weekend of wrestling and you want to see the New Japan guys, but you can't go to New Japan, there's RevPro. And yeah, if you want to go to the to both, it's it's all there for you. It's laid out. So I think this show should do well. I feel like RevPro did very well last year with like a heavy um, uh, New Japan presence. Mm-hmm. And it kind of feels like they've repeated that formula a little bit here. Yeah, even increase the, the dosage of New Japan. There's not a whole lot announced for this card, so I'll just run through the matches so far. Uh, so as I said, the Tanahashi and Osprey teaming up to go against Suzuki and Sabre. Rapongi 3K taking on Aussie Open. David Starr having a rematch against Tomohiro Ishii, and then Rocky Romero versus Taguchi. 
and CCK, Gresham and Brooks going up against Alex, oh God, Coughlin, Coughlin and Carl Fredericks, which are the LA Dojo young boys um, that Shabbat is chaining. Um, so, so just the six matches announced, uh, five matches announced so far, you imagine there'll be one or two extra that get announced. But overall, it feels like this year, more than previous years, they're kind of reeling back like the the storyline influence that's taking place on this show. Because in previous years, this was like one of their major shows on the calendar. It was basically, you know, for, for lack of a better term, because it doesn't necessarily always, doesn't necessarily fit because it's not taking place at York Hall, but it felt like a York Hall show. Like, continuity-wise, last year you had the title change between Sabre and um, Ishii. Mm. This right, year, well. this year it feels like more of a standalone show that's going to be really good because you've got a hell of a lot of talent on there, and you're probably going to get a lot of clean finishes because you know it doesn't feel like it's that connected to storylines. But it feels like, whereas in previous years it was like the big stop on the RevPro calendar, now it's just like here's a taste of what RevPro is slash what New Japan is, I guess. Um, but you're not having all your big storylines culminate here. You're not probably you're not gonna have any title changes, any any of that sort of thing. It feels like in Rev Pro they're already their focus is building their next York Hall show. Um, that's Epic Encounter, right? If you say so, <laughs> I really can't remember what it's called. Whichever one has um, El Fantasmo versus uh, David Starr in the ladder it's match. The ladder, ladder it match, it yeah. feels like their focus build wise is on that one, and this is kind of just a show that's happening. But it's probably going to be a show that bell to bell is going to rule. Yeah, um, we saw Star versus Ishii in uh, your call last year. I can't remember what the show was now, but um, no, it's gone. Uprising, I think. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, that was a really good match. And when I was talking earlier about David Star kind of saving himself. For like the big matches, I feel like this is like one of his biggest matches this weekend. It's putting himself in front of uh, a New Japan audience to show them what he can do, and it's a chance for him to prove that he's on the level with somebody like Ishii, who is one of the best wrestlers in the world. Uh, I feel like the the card should generally deliver. Um, I I don't know how good uh, Coughlin and and Fredericks are, but if they've been trained by Shibata, then they're going to be really well drilled. And CCK are really good, so that should be fine. I I know RevPro have had some issues um in the past where their undercards were very unimportant, um, which obviously doesn't bother you because you don't watch whole shows, but uh, <laughs> like I've sat through several Rev Pro cards where the first three, four matches and nothing of any consequence happened. But um, I feel like their New York show was, was more of a showcase for how good they could be. So I would hope you don't see that here. Uh, again, like I think Romero and Taguchi is, is not going to be a great match, but it should be good. And you're probably going to get a good standard throughout. So. Yeah, I'm excited for this one. In terms of quality, I think it's going to be one of the the better shows of the weekend. 
Yeah, it, it's weird they still have only announced so little, and we're basically on the doorstep of it now. It's what it's later this week now already. So yeah, well, it's like four days from now. We're recording on the first, and it's on the fifth. So I'm uh, just quickly browsing their Twitter in case anything got <laughs> announced in the meantime, but it doesn't look like it. So I suppose I think they've sold out. So I guess they don't technically need yeah, to announce anything to. else. But Screw it. Yeah, it'll be be interesting to see what else fills out that card, because in terms of RevPro guys, it's not like obvious that anyone else is around and is going to be booked on the show. Um, Gideon Gray will probably be there, maybe Zoe Lucas as well, um, just because they're kind of semi-office in RevPro, aren't they? So yeah. Maybe they'll they'll have a match somewhere. But I, I'm um, absolutely certain Zoe Lucas has uh, sent my merch out before. Oh, definitely, definitely. the The next thing we have to talk about is the forgotten fourth section of shows, which is everyone's talking about the WWN shows. They're talking about the um, WrestleCon shows, even the collective shows. They're kind of like the third thing that you, you're thinking of. You, you've got the the kind of big free indie places. Then on the side, obviously, you've got WrestleMania, that thing, um, the Takeover, Access, <laughs> like um, the big New Japan Ring of Honor show. That's obviously happening. But then you've also got this this other collection of shows that kind of doesn't fit in anywhere. And no one seems to be talking about, and not many people seem to be going to. And that's the uh, NYC Arena set of shows. Um, yeah. So there's there's four shows happening there, and one of them's getting decent hype because it's it's so different. It's the Stardom show, um, yeah. and you know people who are fans of Stardom are going to that one. I'm pretty sure they've announced nothing, which is kind of weird. I think they've got one match now, and they've got a bunch of talent announced, but. Yeah, not a lot, not a lot. I'm wondering they if there's perhaps visa issues there. They announced factions, and it was like, that could be anyone. <laughs> it's just so vague. But you've, other than that, you've got, at the NYC Arena, you've got the House of Glory show, yeah. which is headlined by... It's got Muta on it. Muta and Kai, I think. What what a, what a team that is. Oh, no, no, it's Muta no, and it's um, him, Penta Pentagon and Tajiri against Loki and LAX. And it's also got Amazing Red and Phoenix is on that card. And I shouldn't be getting excited about it because it's got nothing to do with us. But, uh, yeah, there's there's a lot of stuff on Mania Weekend where there's just wild left-field matches, and I, I'm here for it. But then the other two shows that are on this... Um, in this group of shows are two shows that have links to Europe but feel very weird and like they shouldn't really be there. And that's Fight Club Pro are teaming up with Destiny, which I think are a Toronto-based promotion. Which Another Canadian, I'm not sure which. Seems very there. strange that they're the they're the group that Fight Club Pro are teaming up to put a show on. And then IPW UK are also putting on a show. And I don't know anyone who's going to them. And I know a lot of people who are going to WrestleMania weekend, so I'm... Somewhat cautious about how they're going to draw. Um, and both of their cards are pretty underwhelming. The The Fight Club Pro Destiny one has an interesting selection of people booked. So we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll run through the card here. It's, it's got quite an eclectic mix. And some of the people where you're like, 
I wish they were booked in more places because they're really good and they're not all over WrestleMania weekend when they really should be, but they're put in against people who are not that high against. So you've got Ricky Shane Page going against Mark Davis, which yeah, I'm I'm not a I'm not a Ricky Shane Page guy at all. So I think that's kind of a waste. The thing with RSP is he's very like much a hardcore guy at heart. Um, but he's also a lovely guy, so I don't want to like uh, <laughs> bag on him. Uh, like he, he's just really nice. He's not very good at wrestling, though, which is mm. unfortunate. Well, he should have a decent match with Mark Davis. They'll they'll do a big sort of hoss fight kind of thing, and I'm sure that'd be good. Mm, I'm not. Um, <laughs> then you've got the Rascals taking on the besties in the world versus Team White Wolf versus Session Juice, which is Orange Orange Cassidy and uh, the Session Moth. That match could actually be pretty good. Um, I'm, yeah, that kind there's of a lot of people. What, um, what Fight Club Pro are quite good at, which is kind of throwing together a load of different people from all over and just having fun with them. So I, I can see that being good. Yeah, I've got it, a lot of faith in Team White Wolf as well. It should be pretty fun, but it's not like when you've got that many people in a match, it's rarely going to be like a real big standout. It's probably going to be kind of a. Um, a bit of a spot fest that's fun yeah. but doesn't stick in the memory um which is kind of unfortunate because that's probably the highest profile spot white wolf are in over the weekend which seems seems a shame because they're so good yeah uh, yeah I totally agreed maybe they'll get books in in rev pro they should because they're they're regulars there and if they're already in new york they you know find a well, decent uh, opponent for them Romo said he was on four shows and i'm struggling to find the fourth one so yeah, hopefully RevPro then. Hopefully RevPro. Um, then you've got uh, a six-man tag with uh, Brooks, Lycos, and Fletcher taking on Amazing Red, Puma King, and Rob Eagles. That could be very good. I, I love the fact that Amazing Red's coming up in all these dream matches when he's... He can't, I thought he'd retired. <laughs> he just... He hadn't wrestled for, like, almost a year, and then all of a sudden he's all over Mania weekend. Well, he runs House of Glory, right? So yeah, I guess I think so. he's like, well, while I'm here, may as well. <laughs> yeah. um, that that should be pretty fun. Although you know, Red now is obviously nowhere near what he he was what ten, fifteen years ago now. But, but according to Cage Match, he's had uh, sixteen matches in the last three years, four years. Right, but you know. It, if you're going to have him in a match, I think a six-man match is, is yeah, the yeah. way to go. So we can get in, get out, do, you know, do a Matrix spot or something. Make people go, oh, I remember that. That was cool. Um, code Reds. Yeah. I'm sure Lycos will line up for a Code Red. Yeah. Hopefully he doesn't get injured. Um, then we've got the Destiny Next Generation Championship, um, who I couldn't tell you who was the champion if I tried. Uh, there isn't a champion. It's the first champion. Oh, okay. There we go. There we go. Um, so we've got Kip Sabian versus Penelope Ford versus Trey Miguel versus Jake Atlas in what feels like a complete randomizer match. Um, yeah. <laughs> who thought of this one? Who thought of this one? It'd probably be quite good, but it's just, it feels very strange. It's very odd. They probably could have just done Trey Miguel and Jake Atlas, but. Yeah. I guess the other two were there, and they're like, "Yeah, we'll book you. We'll book you." Then you've got another. Well, you've got another multi-man match. You've got Ethan Page versus Shane Strickland versus Sammy Callahan in a match, which will be fine, I guess. 
no comment. Um, and then Chuck Mambo versus Connor Mills in what will probably be solid, but I think you kind of look at that one and go, "What that's happening in New York this week?" Yeah, it's Chuck it's a Mambo random one. Gonna... But uh, yeah, I best of luck to them both. I'm sure they'll try really hard and uh, have themselves a, a decent match out there. But uh, you know, yeah. how how many people will actually be be watching is debatable, I guess. So overall, you look at this card, and you're like, there's a lot of talent on this card, but yeah. there's you, you, you read a lot of the matches, and you're like, yeah, that could be decent, that could be decent, that could be decent, but then there's nothing that's like, and that's the main event, and that's going to be awesome. It's a lot of things that have a chance of being like a cool three-and-a-half-star match, and then a fair few matches that probably won't be that good. It's not a great mix. Yeah, it doesn't feel very... Fight Club Pro-y no. either. And what's the worst thing is, you could take all the talent booked on that match, or on this card, and if you like handed it to, to me or you, we could very easily put together a card that would rule. And, you know, a lot of it's probably that it's Mania weekend, these guys are working a hell of a lot of matches, they don't want to be working singles matches, they don't want to be working tag matches, they want to be working these these matches with eight people in them, six people in them, so they can minimise the, the wear and tear on their body, but it does mean this show kind of... Yeah, let, let Chuck and Connor do the, all the hard work in the singles matches. <laughs> yeah. It's not particularly inspiring, and it probably won't win many people over to either Fight Club Pro or Destiny, if anyone's even watching it. Um, uh, I'll be watching it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're watching like almost everything, aren't you? Uh, no, I'm watching everything. Everything that makes tape, I am watching. So, so not this IPW UK show then. Correct. Good segue. Thank you. Thank you. Um, and that's probably for the best because, good God, what a despicable card this is. <laughs> <laughs> right, so the main event is James Storm versus Jimmy Havoc in a no rules barroom brawl. Jimmy Havoc recently had his farewell match from IPW UK. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's, a ma- that's something that's happened. They're bringing him back to face James Storm in a in a match where which will just be entirely walk and roll and will almost undoubtedly suck. And that's your main event. I don't like James Storm at the best of times, to be quite honest. No. And that's 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 the big selling point match on this show, unfortunately. So next you have It's not for me. <laughs> no, no. But that in their mind, that's like that's the match that's gonna sell the tickets in their mind and Well to be fair, look, Havoc isn't on the Fight Club Pro show, which I mean, that feels like a, a no-brainer that he should be on there. Yeah. But he's he's wrestling somewhere else the same day, so we can't. It's a weird one. It's a weird one. Um, then Kip Sabian versus Vaughn Vertigo. I, I don't know who that is. No, me neither. Um, then, I'm looking him up. <laughs> then we've got Rob Sharp versus Joe Gacy, which will be <laughs> fine. Uh, Vaughn Vertigo is from Canada. Okay. Sure, whatever. Um, uh, also he... known as Jeff Vertigo, apparently. <laughs> so he's not booked on the Joint Destiny show, but he is booked on the IPW I show. Okay, don't whatever. I think he wrestles for Destiny. Uh, why does he wrestle for IPW? Um, I don't know. Carry then, on. <laughs> then you've got Juicy Gambino, who is very good um, and should be booked a lot more over 
uh, Mania Week because, like many of the Australians who've made the trip over, he's being criminally underutilised. He's going up against Rob Lynch. Uh, this would be a match I'd have been quite excited for about four years ago, but Rob Lynch, uh, not so much now. Not so much. I feel like if there's a time for him to find his feet as a singles guy, it kind of needs to be now, otherwise that boat is going to sail. I mean, if we're honest, it kind of needed to be a, a fair while ago, but, you know. Yeah, well, he had a chance and he blew it, and I kind of feel like he's had that bad neck. He's probably thinking about that bad neck, and I don't blame him. Uh, but, yeah, he's he's not in good condition. He got it's, caught up a little in the Davis stuff as well, yeah. by virtue of being tied to him so closely for so long. So I mean, let's face it, James Davis is an absolute piece of shit, like like bottom rung, worst human being in the business, which is saying something. Um, so yeah, he was kind of mentally attached to that, and it's a pity because uh, you have to remember they were a really really good tag team. Um, mm-hmm. but look at it now; it's just yeah. So then you've got, um, for the IPW UK Women's Championship and the Hog Women's Championship, um, which is a hell of a name for a title. Uh, Hog. Hog Women's. Um, Bobby Tyler versus Sonya Strong. I'd be lying if I said I was familiar with Sonya Strong and Bobby Tyler's decent. I've seen Bobby Tyler wrestle once, uh, which was coincidentally a matter of days ago, so it's kind of fresh in my mind, and I still can't remember her. Yeah, um, so unless Sonya Strong's some sort of unknown super worker, then uh, probably not going to be too special. And then the what is probably going to be the opener... She's, and... got a, she's got a 7 out of 10 on, um, on the match. old cage match. Yeah, it's good for her, good for her. <laughs> and then in what's probably, I imagine, going to be the opener, and probably also the best match on this card, because it's just going to be a a spot fest with a bit of comedy in. Uh, Connor Mills versus Danny Duggan versus OJMO versus Kieran Donnelly versus question mark, question mark, question mark versus question mark, question mark, question mark, which will probably be whoever turns up on the day. That I could be Connor fun. Connor Mills was in that. Pardon? You did say Connor Mills? Yeah. Oh, okay. I must have tuned out briefly. Yeah, so that's probably the highlight of the card, and it's probably just going to be a your standard opening spot fest, which will be funnish. Um, I love the OJMOs over there. Yeah, he he it. should be booked more. Yeah, he's so good. Like he's he has this certain this it factor about him. He he just kind of oozes that confidence and presence when he's in the ring. Uh, he knows his comedy spots. Uh, he's good at stuff that he shouldn't be good at yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, he like give him another four or five years, he's going to be all kinds of good. Uh, he definitely needs to bulk up because he's very very small, but um, he's very naturally talented. I'd be surprised if he didn't make it in some capacity. And he's a good guy. He. When you watch him wrestle, even when he's doing comedy stuff, you just get the sense he's got such incredible timing and such a good mind for wrestling. 
and that's half the battle already. So yeah. he's, he's definitely on the right track and probably well, the, the highlight of this card. All of last year, uh, I saw him at pretty much every show I went to. It was just I'd, I'd turn up and it'd be like, oh, that's, that's OJMO. And um, when you see a guy that's getting around, going to all the shows and, and learning stuff everywhere, it's only a matter of time before they get a chance to showcase that. And I think if he put on more weight than he has done, then it would have been sooner. It would have been the back end of last year, back last last half of 2018. I'm really happy that he gets a chance to, to wrestle on many a weekend, even if it is for IPW UK. Yeah, so I think the best way to describe this card is that it's the perfect example of the oversaturation of WrestleMania weekend because this show doesn't need to happen. (laughs) (laughs) And I I don't know... right? They have tickets on sale at the moment. I don't know if they realise they have tickets on sale at the moment, but they have tickets on sale at the moment for $1. And I still don't know anyone who's going. Yeah, well, it's going to clash with uh shimmer and the wrestlecon uh us versus the world show which has a, a really interesting card and chikara so um there's like four shows on at the same time and that's easily number four uh, of, of the four there's no real reason for you to go to it even if you just want to go to a show on uh on friday lunchtime there are other shows you can go to that are far more interesting. Uh, plus, RevPro's on at three, so there are people who probably won't want to go to one and then they straight to the other because it's well, one's in I don't know how far apart they are. One's at uh, NYC Arena and the other's at the Midtown Hotel. I don't know how far apart that is to be quite honest. Um... I'm looking at a map now. They Ooh. don't look that close. Yeah, so you're going to assume it's going to run like two and a half hours. That's going to leave you 30 minutes to get over to RevPro before it starts. So the NYC Arena's right by the JFK airport, and then... Uh, oh, I guess Midtown Hotel is Midtown. So, um... uh, I've lost it on the map, but yeah, you would assume. You would assume. It's it's decently close to WWN, but quite a way away from RevPro. From... Yeah, so if you were doing like the... Because WWN has the Super Show, uh, the Mercury Rising Show. If you're doing that, then you could probably go to IPW, um, IPW I guess. Or you could just watch Shimmer, because that would probably be a better show. Comfortably, comfortably. So yeah, it's overall, it's a slightly uninspiring lineup that we we're sending over to Mania this year. I think we've we've done better in in the past few years, as as a continent. Um, but I think the WXW and the Rev Pro shows should both be pretty good. Oh yeah, yeah, that should be good. Um, I have them scheduled in at reasonable times, whereas. Uh, the Fight Club show, I'm kind of intending on watching Monday morning when I wake up with a WrestleMania hangover. That's like the first show scheduled for me that day, first of five. And um, whereas Rev Pro and WXW, I'm going to try and catch live. Um, 
Actually, no, RevPro will probably watch on Saturday. Yeah. So you're going to be doing a hell of a lot of reviewing over Mania Weekend. Where can people find your, your stuff at? <laughs> you can find the 36 show reviews that I'm going to be doing in a one-week period. Help me. Uh, at rearviewreviews.com. Uh, I'll be posting links and stuff uh, on my Twitter, which is at Arnold Furious. Uh, if you want more in-depth previews on any of the shows we're talking about or any of the other shows over WrestleMania weekend, the Voice of Wrestling staff have put together a pretty extensive preview, I think, of every show that's occurring. We may be missing one or two, but I think we've got about... I think we're up to about 26 published at the moment and a few more scheduled, so we're, we're definitely getting there. Um, so are, and you, are you previewing IPW UK or...? Uh, no, I passed on that one. Um, no. I think someone might be. I wrote the WXW one and did the audio for IPW UK and and WXW and Fight Club actually. Um, so I did that with Rich. So that will also be um, being posted at a relatively similar time over on the the flagship podcast. Yeah, thanks for listening, everyone. You can follow me and my wrestling musings over at at Brit Rest Round, B-R-I-T-W-R-E-S-R-O-U-N-D. Yeah. Anything else you want to plug on, or we happy to go? No, just uh, watch out for my mass of WrestleMania reviews uh, starting on Thursday. You'll be putting a, a, a huge master list together at the end, right? Yeah, I'll be doing a, a recommendations list, like everything that I rated at three and a half or higher, and I'll be ranking all of the shows which is going to be interesting, I think. Especially as my... Let me tell you what I'm doing on Wednesday. Uh, so after I've watched SmackDown in the morning, I've got IWS uh, Interspecies... Uh, no, that's not that one, is it? It's the wrestling International Wrestling Syndicate, then the WrestlePro versus CCW show, then Blackcraft, then Kaiju Big Battle, one after another. You're going to hate yourself by the end of that. <laughs> <laughs> You've left yourself the absolute dregs. Like, at least Kaiju is fun, even if you, like, my, what I always find with Kaiju is, like, I'm smiling for the first, like, 20 minutes, and then I'm like, there's a full show of this. But I am yeah, notoriously yeah. grumpy, so many people enjoy it more. So watch me slowly mentally deteriorate over uh, the course of a week. Always fun to observe. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody. We will be back in mid-April, probably to preview Strong Style and a couple of the other things, because Brit Rest decided it didn't want to do anything in April. Um, but it's got a lot stacked up for May, so that's that's something to look forward to. Thanks for listening, everybody. Goodbye. <laughs>
my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durban Marshall credit card bill.